Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is Rabbit, an interview with Kyle Prue, part one. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And y'all, today we have a really amazing guest. Please welcome Kyle Prue. Hello everyone. So Kyle has an impressive resume. Uh, you might even just recognize him by his voice. I feel like you have a very distinct voice, Kyle. It's a lovely voice. Yes. <laughs> it's that light Michigan accent that no one seems to Michigan? be able to identify. Yeah. Oh, oh my shit. gosh, my mom's Michigan. Yeah, so okay. are my parents. Look at us. I, Michiganders. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> That's awesome. So I feel like your most famous thing is the uh, things you can say to piss off men, right? That's probably like most, that's how I discovered you. (laughs) It's my bread and butter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have a a long resume preceding that. Kyle is the second author that we've had on this podcast. You have three books published, The Feud Trilogy, which is awesome. Didn't you have like a a high school where you were like their cult? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I used to, my, my old like sort of day job used to be is I would go to schools and I would be like a public speaker. And I went to this school in Ohio. It felt pretty normal. I did the whole speech. I had like a little PowerPoint presentation. I gave out some books and then I left. And back when, or like right when TikTok started to like really blow up for me, I kept seeing Twitter things where they were like, oh man, that guy who started a cult at our middle school is getting big on TikTok. And eventually someone, I didn't want to like reach out to these people directly, but eventually someone was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, oh, so Kyle Pru came to our school and someone printed out a photo of him. And then we all started praising it like it was our God. And so they would they would sit in a, in a circle at lunch and they would sit around the photo of me and they would sing uh, hallelujah, but they would sing Kyle Pru. And (laughs) there's like, I've been since finding out about it and talking about it on TikTok. I've gotten a lot of, a lot of like kids from that group, like sending me videos of them, like doing blessings in the name of Kyle Pru. But the crazy thing is like, I never knew this was happening. And this was when I was like a junior in college. And I was like, so depressed back then. If I had like, so like, I had like no confidence. If I had known that I had a cult, I would have been so, I would have been bright as rain. A literal cult. <laughs> no one can hurt your feelings when you are the god of a cult of small Ohioan children. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is I hope so they're hard. doing well. Apparently, they still operate in some capacity. <laughs> I feel like it takes a specific kind of star power to just unknowingly have a cult dedicated to you. Like, you got something, kid. It was a big confidence boost to have a cult, you know. Bucket list, like, check. (laughs) That will be our next goal, Eric. That's the next goal for the podcast. Have a a cult centered around us. I'll start it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get a little little grassroots movement going. Yeah. Please use hashtag Rainbow Room Cult and start a cult for us. (laughs) Speaking of your your series of 10 things you can say to tick off men, did you... (laughs) I'm really curious. Did you see my impression of you? Yes, I did. (laughs) I was like looking in a mirror, a voice mirror. (laughs) Give us thoughts, critique (laughs) even. (laughs) It's it's interesting because like uh, I have like a weird voice thing where I can't keep my voice consistent. Like I can't keep it sounding the same at all ever. So if you scroll through my page, I have like a different accent in every single video. So people rarely, I think, do impressions of me because it's kind of a moving target. (laughs) But the, the how to piss off men one is just like no enough pronunciation, all laid back in the pocket, monotone. So that's one that I think like people can hit. And I, and I, I think you did a nice job. Thank you so much. Thank you for not rescinding your acceptance of being on our podcast after just seeing my yeah. awful impression. I was like, how dare you? <laughs>
so this Project Rabbit, it's a web series that's now out on YouTube. And first of all, congrats. on. I feel like it's one thing to have a lot of followers on TikTok, but then to get a lot of followers on YouTube, that's like much more difficult. And this series is clearly doing really, really well on YouTube. So that's amazing. Also, when you pitched it on your TikTok, I feel like a lot of people clocked this. At one point, you said it was the proudest thing you've ever made. And you had this little smile that was so earnest. And everyone's like, wait, he's actually really happy about this. Yeah, I, I broke character a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, it's interesting because when I made this show, the reason I did it was because I was living in LA. I was self-taping all the time and self-taping is super demoralizing. And, and mm. being an actor is kind of demoralizing because you are begging to be on someone else's boat in a sense. Yeah. So I wrote this show and I had gotten people involved and, and I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to make this thing even if it sucks. And I was like almost certain it was going to suck, but I was like, that's what needs to happen. It's like, you need to suck at something before you can have like, you know, any talent at all. And um, by virtue of just getting the right people involved, it ended up like not sucking. And I ended up being like super psyched about it. I remember the first thing we ever filmed was episode two, which is this scene in this coffee shop. And, and you know, we filmed it with my friend, Sarah. And I remember like walking back behind the monitors with the director to like look at some of the footage and seeing how good it looked and being like, oh, <laughs> Oh, wow. Great. Okay. Uh, this just became a little bit of like a bigger swing all of a sudden. That's amazing. That first feeling like, oh, oh, wait, this is actually good. <laughs> like, I will say, I think maybe the first moment in which I was sort of like blown away is like, I knew we were filming on a really nice camera and I knew we had a really great like lens package and everything. But when we got Ken Davidian, who plays Dispatch involved, this was like a guy who I only had like three DVDs growing up and one of them was Get Smart. And so I had watched Get Smart thousands of times. And so I have seen this man act thousands of times. And like when he like agreed to do the show, I was like, oh, wow, like this is far different. Like I was planning to shoot this on my iPhone if all else failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this went yeah. from like, oh, maybe I'll have an iPhone and edit this in iMovie and like have something to like, oh, I have stars on it. Tell us a little bit about his resume. Uh, so yeah, so Ken is a sort of like beloved character actor. He he was in Borat. He's very famous for naked wrestling with Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> and Get Smart, he's on Cobra Kai, uh, Ray Donovan. He's, he's done like a ton of shows. So how did you get someone with this impressive of a resume to agree to do your project? That's incredible. Uh, by begging. Yeah. By, by begging him for a long time, for hours, actually. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> Well, so when I, I originally got my uh, executive producer, Will Noyce, attached, he saw like, like, oh, Dispatch only films in one location. And, you know, it's five scenes. You could knock these out in a few hours. He was like, you should see if you could try and get like a name for it or like like a real actor. That is so smart. Um, Identifying early, like if it's going to yeah. be anyone, it's going to be this role because it's very low maintenance. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, everybody else had been cast. Like the majority of the actors in Rabbit are just like friends of mine <laughs> who like yeah. did it for, for exposure. Um, um, so Ken, we, we zeroed in on him very quickly with our casting director, and then we just annoyed him for months. And he signed on the day before we started shooting. <laughs> we were starting to film on that Friday and he he joined the team on Thursday. And I had like a backup dispatch. Like I had some dude I went to college with who was like waiting in the wings, like an understudy, like ready to go. But mm -hmm. luckily Ken said yes. And then we were off to the races. How many times did you have a specific number? You you emailed him so many, a certain amount of times. We, uh, we, we annoyed the hell out of him. I think when we met with him, he said he wasn't even going to consider it. There was no way. But... 
he read Break My Nose, which was our pilot. And when we sat down, he was like, you know, there's there's something there. And I was like, wow, <laughs> could be you and me, man. <laughs> we read scenes together at the table because he he was curious if I could act or not, because he'd only seen my TikToks and he thought <laughs> that I was like high in all of them. Um <laughs> but yeah, I mean, eventually it was definitely, it was definitely a situation which like he was taking a big chance on us and he was like, well, in the future, like you got to give opportunities to others if this like works out. And I was like, yeah, man, for sure. Wow. I just got emotional just hearing that. Uh, Cause yeah, it was you a are, beautiful moment. Honestly, giving an opportunity to us, like you're already starting to make good on that promise. Thank you so much for being here. Episode 10, coming in strong with Kyle Prude. This is really awesome. Double digits. <laughs> huge win-win. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is really fantastic. Thank you so much. But how incredible that... Uh, so first of all, episode two, the writing of that is is really what kind of got your foot in the door and convinced him. And you wrote that episode, right? With with Joseph Johnston is my co-writer. I've been writing with him since I was 17. Whoa! Yeah, we went, to, we went to high school together. We moved away. We didn't talk for a few years, but we had written web content together in high school. And like, those were like actually incredibly shitty, but like, because like <laughs> those we filmed on our phones and stuff. And um <laughs> Over time, I would always hit him up as sort of like an editor. I would always send him drafts and we, we talked on and off. And during the quarantine, we wrote a TV show together. We wrote 10 episodes of a series and um, and I knew I was writing a web series and I hit him up and I was like, time time to get in on this man, like five episodes. We worked out the idea, we wrote it all. And and then, yeah, here we, here we are now. Wow. Wait, is it only five episodes long? It's only five episodes. No! I no. know. <laughs> it's crazy too, because like people are like, it's only five episodes. And it's like, it's like yeah, we filmed this show in five days like holy this whole show yeah this whole show was filmed like everything that you are seeing in this show is an actor's first take like a first user like if if an actor had a performance that like on the surface looked like good enough we were like (laughs) great let's let's roll Why such a tight time schedule? Expensive to do it any other way uh, because you got to pay your crew. I mean, that, that's where all our money went. It's just like making sure that we had like the best possible camera and sound crew. And then they, of course, have to get their all union. They've got their spending rights and everything. The, the one thing that you can always like really like never afford on set in my experience is time. Like it's interesting um, that office that uh, Ken's character dispatches in is like we made that. We made that like from scratch. Like those what? are all rented. Yeah, it's in a, we're in an abandoned vape shop. Like we built like the desk and the and the like the computer is like rented and, and it's all by our, our produ- production designer Taylor. But like that is not expensive at all to like build an office. But mm. to like have two sound people on set for a full day is like wicked expensive. And and so f- five days was the like the extent of what we could afford. Yeah. Did you like play the film circuit with it? Are you trying to like broad city it and get it picked up as a yeah. TV show? Yeah, I um so yes. I'm I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say because you know there's there's stuff in the who knows. Okay, who knows secrets. You're secretive. <laughs> what I will say is there will be more rabbit no matter what, even if I have to film it on my phone. <laughs> hey, um, love that. But ideally one day someone else besides me will pay for it uh that's the (laughs) ultimate dream is that i I won't have to like sell books (laughs) to like Mm. you know finance the whole rabbit situation (laughs) so you've hit on first of all congrats on having writing that was so good that this big shot was sold from that alone like that is such an incredible feat so congrats to both you and to joseph that that is amazing uh you've hit on some of this already but i would love if you could like walk me back from the beginning how did you pull this team together it's a it's a really big team it's a massive undertaking of a project totally 
Absolutely. So I was on this short film called Portraits and I had like five lines. I was in the background. I was not really like much of a character. And as I was there, I, it was like an all night shoot. I was, I was there the whole time, but I was amazed by the size of this crew. And I was amazed by like, sort of like the ingenuity and it was all like young people. And so I went at one point was not in a scene and I stepped behind the monitor real quick and I like saw what the footage looked like. And I was like, oh, like, wow. And so I I went up to one of the producers who I knew, Miles, and I was like, hey, man, who is your director of photography? And he pointed out this guy, Jake Duggar. And I was like, great, Jake Duggar, like wrote his name down. And then I was like, "Uh, and and who got all these people together? And, And my friend was like, oh, it's this guy, Will Noyce. So I reached out to Jake and I reached out to Will Noyce and I said, hey, um, I have this web series which was not true at the time. I had nothing. Um, I was like, hey, I have this web series. Um, I'm a huge fan of your work. Is there is there any way you'd be interested in maybe like working on, on something together? And they both were like, yes, send it to me. So I called up Joseph and I was like, what's cracking, man? Uh, I got to write a web series. Um, Wait, do they know this? Do they know this now that you did not have anything I mean, when you- <laughs> we've been on a few podcasts and I've said it on everyone. So if they are listening to these podcasts then they do know it. Okay. Uh, it was just sort of the idea that like, I realized immediately that these these dudes had like inherent talent and inherent footholds. And like, I write pretty quickly. So I was like, there's something we could do here. So I hit up Joseph. We started trying to figure out what the show might be about. And, you know, we decided the one thing that Joseph and I have always been like pretty good at is writing like character conversations, just like two Mm. people talking. And so we were like, how can we get a main character involved with all these people? And so eventually we sort of ended up with the, you know, task rabbit thing. And then we abstracted it to be like a guy you can hire to do anything. Which is a great concept, by the way. Great premise and hasn't been done before, especially because it's like, that's a task grab. It's a pretty modern concept. So to take, totally. take something so modern and yeah, great idea. It's interesting. You know, one of the things we really tried to push is we want the show to feel like a period piece that's set in the modern day. So like we shot it on lenses from the seventies and the music is all like soul oriented and, you know, rabbits on a flip phone and dispatch has the shittiest computer you've ever seen in your entire life. But like characters are allowed to talk about Hub and Uber and everything, but we we really tried to lean into the aesthetics of this sort of like older, soulful sort of you know uh, inspiration. So I wrote these five episodes. I sent them to Jake and Will, and they said yes. And then I went to my roommate, who's a director, and I was like, directing a show or making a show. Would you like to direct a show? And um, to tell like a, a young director in Los Angeles, would you like to direct something for someone else's money? Is like it's the best thing you can possibly say. <laughs> um, so he he accepted about like three seconds after I asked him. <laughs> he he had like a moment of processing, and he was like, "Yeah." So he and I met with those guys. Then we got our producer involved, uh, Sophie Warshevsky, and and she sort of assembled a lot of the rest of the crew. Um, we got our, our production designer, Taylor. And yeah, from there, it was me reaching out to actors and being like, hey, you don't know this, but I wrote this role with you in mind. It's yours if you want it. And thankfully, everybody said yes. Everybody. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Even um, Ted, Ted Gibson, who is my my best friend of, of forever, uh, is he plays Bob and be my boyfriend. And um, he flew in from New York to do it, which was like, and like stayed on my couch. It was, it was the sweetest thing in the whole world. Oh, wow. 
That's amazing. And and you weren't lying this time when you told your friends that you had them in mind when you wrote those roles. Yeah, no, I was, I was, it's actually interesting. Um, uh, Jill Garner, uh, who plays uh, the girl whose nose gets broken. Mm-hmm. I actually originally wrote Maxine from Be My Boyfriend for her. And I showed her that. And then I also showed her Break My Nose. And she was like, no, 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 like Break My Nose. Like that, that's the one I really want. And um, thank God she said that because her performance in that is, it's almost unlike anything I've ever seen. Like even in the moment, you know, she did like one take she had and she's got like tears and everything. And I was like, wow. That's amazing. And how do you know most of these people just through college? Yeah. So I I was an acting major. So if there's one thing I know, it's infinite actors. And yeah, uh, Sarah, who is, who is in the second episode, she's, um, I know her, we were in a horror movie together. That's amazing. Like, so good on you for being able to, like, one, recognize talent, and then two, be able to pull it all together with obviously the help of the talent that you had for, like, these producers and everything. But yeah, you have, like, a lot of really good actors. And it's like, I've never seen these people before. These these people are incredible. Yeah. It, what I think is really nice is when you go to acting school with someone, you see them act hundreds of times. Ted Gibson, for instance, I've, I've seen him act hundreds of times. I never acted with him before this episode of Rabbit, but, like, I've, I've seen him and show after show after show after show. And so I know he's talented. I know what his strengths are so I can write for him. But also at the same time, I know that he can nail it all in one take because that's what we really needed is we needed theater actors because we had no time. Nice. Well, and good on them for like making such a good impression on you in school that you were able to choose them. That's fantastic. Totally. There was a moment when when we were first asking Ken to do it and, and he first agreed where he said, you know, like everybody here, it was a very scary moment, actually. He was like, everybody here is taking a chance on you. And so, so like what you need to know now is that like if this doesn't work like you're not going to get another shot it's like like you have to like you have we to said like this to you get ken davidian uh who <laughs> plays dispatch and so like in that moment i i was like okay yeah like i really really could not fuck up because you know there's a lot of people who like all my friends especially the actors were you know just like hopping in for free yeah and and, and it worked out i think a lot of them got like cast from it or got like you know like nice stuff out of it Oh, really? Um, Already? They're getting stuff out of it. Yeah. Uh, Jill from the first episode from Break My Nose, um, her, her dad showed it to someone at the CW and, and they cast her to get like shot in the face in like a murder episode. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. She's typecast as like getting face wounds, <laughs> evidently. Well, this actually leads really well into my next question I had for you because you're talking about like everyone's counting on you. And I know being on set can be very stressful. And uh, a lot of your like greatest successes so far have been individual projects, right? You have your books, you have your uh, TikTok series a lot, which you have some collaborative ones. But what was it like working on this collaborative project? How was that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing was was like stepping back and realizing like I picked this person because I like believe in them. And so I have to take my hands completely off the reins when they're in their department. So, you know, yeah, like so like uh, Jake Duggar, the director of photography is so good at making cheap film look like really expensive film. You know, like he's so good at making these shots like look great or whatever. So like never I my sort of rule was like if he says this is better for the camera, he's right, you know. I think the the great pressure was that like if we ever didn't make something that would mean we'd have to add a day and I didn't have the money for that. Mm. So it was like every single shot had to just work out. Like we didn't really have any other options. I remember there was one scene where it was like after a fight scene so I'm supposed to be breathing heavy but we've been waiting 
skating for a while. So I just started doing like jumping jacks or some sort of like jumping motion. And Max, the director, didn't want me to like look weird. So he came over and like did jumping jacks with me, like in between takes. And I was like, oh yeah, like this is where it's, you know, this is, this is such a spectacular team. And um, yeah, like asking our production designer to build that office for Ken, like we walked in and like seeing like the like raw amount of talent that like she put into it, we were all like blown away. So it's, it's really just about like trusting, like you hire people for a reason and you, and you hire them because they're just great at what they do. Yeah. A great leader is a good listener. So that's fantastic. That's, uh, I'm like, I'm getting geeked out, just excited hearing about it. I love working on teams and the idea of being on this kind of project is just fantastic. I I gotta ask, because I feel like, so when Ken said this like sort of big pressure moment where he was like, this is kind of your one shot. Was that like, was that much more pressure than when the two guys that you knew from this other film when they were like, yeah, send us your like web series. Like where, when did the pressure immediately start? And also the, how long did it take you to write this series? I still, I need to know a number. because you said So you write I, fast. I wrote the series. It was five episodes in five days. So every day we wrote one of the episodes. Yeah. I will say the moment the pressure really hit was, was I think that, that like lunch with Ken. I remember when he left, we all like, it was me, Max, the director and our, our producer, Sophie. And we like sat in the parking lot and we were like, like, you know, like hyperventilating a little bit because like when I plan to make this, you know, I plan to shoot it for nothing on an iPhone and it just slowly built out and became more and more, you know, like when we met with our producer, he was like, oh, we'll film on the Alexa mini. It's what they film the Marvel movies on. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. And, you know, Jake was like, now we have lenses from the seventies and my whole camera crew is involved. Like Panavision gave us a special deal. And then Ken got involved and like all my friends were like, you like flying in or like taking time off work to be in it and yeah I, I think I think the moment where we like all like like took a step back and we realized we were going to be like fine is um after we filmed break my nose which was uh mm. you know we had all day to film that stuff and when we like were watching footage on it we were like great you know like this the, like i think we'll be okay no matter what and like you know still to this day like it's it it, it keeps working out in ways that i don't expect constantly like what I mean, I think like, uh, you know, our editor, Wyatt Stromer is is so good at rhythm and so good at like going through like all our footage and like making it even read better than I ever expected. We'll, we'll when we watch this this episode, I think we'll 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 get a good idea of it. But um, Ted, who plays Bobby, I wrote this role as kind of a little bit of like a Michael Sarah type, like a super like <laughs> low status, like nerdy, awkward dude. And when we zoomed with Ted to go over it and rehearse he came in playing this character like he believes he's like a super spy like like he believes he's like a genius and he's so proud and he's so uh like sort of smarmy and seeing that was a humongous elevation of that episode Mm. because like the way that you feel about his character becomes so much more complex when you realize that this dude just like loves himself (laughs) even though he's he's doing the most low status thing ever you know, he's like leading this fake life. And, um, but he, you know, he thinks on some level he's involved in some kind of like social espionage. Yeah. Er- Eric, you'll see, he's really great in the role. I'm excited for you to see it. So I'd like to take us through the kind of the context of when this came out. So light spoiler, Kyle's character comes out, uh, rabbit uh, comes out as asexual in this episode, which is one of the reasons we want to talk about it because what's really interesting is that there is very little asexual representation in media right now. 
And that was kind of the idea that I had. I was like, maybe I'm just missing it. But I, from my research, it's like, no, there's really been very little. So I found this article called A Comprehensive Yet Sadly Short Guide to Asexual Characters. It's by Matt Keeley. It's on Hornet. It's very well written. Shout out to you. So basically, just quick rundown. Gerald Tippett on Shortland Street, which is a TV show most people haven't heard of. Uh, apparently, he's the first like out asexual character on TV. And then a big one that I didn't know is Todd Chavez from Bojack horseman who comes out as asexual on season three a little bit and then like more so in season four and they have a a couple asexual characters in that show which is really really cool but basically other than that the representation is few and far between if you uh look at wikipedia and look at like a list of asexual fictional characters it lists like many characters who weren't out actually in the show it's just like later the directors or writers made a public statement where they're like oh yeah they were ace (laughs) oh yeah the (laughs) The Harry Potter method. (laughs) Very J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. We didn't talk about it or or (laughs) make any time for it, but trust us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like we're on the same page that like that doesn't feel like it really counts. I mean, I guess it's better than the alternative of being like, what? No, what the hell? No, they weren't ace. But but still, so cool to see a character that is asexual in this. You know, it was it was one of the first choices we made. Um really? the character. Yeah, it's well, and the thing was that um, you know, the, the rabbit production team is 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 very queer all, all, all across the board. And oh, that's amazing. Uh, oh, we yeah, love celebrating queer artists Woo-hoo! <laughs> and there's 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 asexual representation involved and and sort of the conversation that we had about it at some point was not only is it a net good to create a character that is representation you know i think the best way in my opinion to do it is i think there's like a big type of like a lot of network television and a lot of like big budget movies are written by 50 year olds and they're like they make the characters like sexuality the entire thing about them mm. and you can tell it's like a you can tell it's a, a writer who has no understanding of of it and who are who are like sort of I think like using them for diversity points and so you know the what we wanted to do with rabbit is we're like this is the main character which is often a, a, like I, I don't think I've ever seen an asexual character as the lead that's a really good point yeah I think this is a first and yeah and at the same time it's we don't really have plot lines specifically like related to rabbit being asexual we don't like harp on it we don't spend a lot of time on it. what it is it's like rabbit is a fully fledged character who happens to be asexual and we we worked very hard to make sure that we got to a place with it that we didn't feel like it was at all like exploitative and the reaction to it has been in my opinion the most heartwarming part of the entire thing someone sent me this tumblr post oh boy let me find it this might just take me one sec but yeah i, I was gonna comment on the reaction i was gonna ask if people have reached out to you so i'm, I'm really ex- excited to hear this yeah big like big time people have have reached out i think when the episode came out we saw we, we saw a ton of people come forward and be like, I, like this was really unexpected. And and what I really like about it is that I think it deepens Rabbit's character a lot to make him asexual because the big question is like, why does Rabbit want money so badly? Why is Rabbit like fighting and then like doing these like horrible, like morally questionable things for money? Is it just because he wants power? He wants to be rich. And I think when you remove the whole like sexuality aspect, like it has to be about something very complex and very deep, you know, mm. because I think the, the line that people sometimes draw, especially like in 
America is like money equals power equals sex. Mm-hmm. And then so for rabbit, it's money equals question mark. You know, we don't we don't go all the way there. So that, so then you have to like sort of sit back and ask yourself, well, like, what is it about then? And I think it, it gives us a, like a much better into his psychology. I found the thing somebody anonymous said, I watched the most recent episode of rabbit today. And for some reason, hearing him say he was asexual made me feel really happy. I guess it kind of gave me hope that one day I'll be able to say it out loud. And, oh my God. Yeah. I, know, I, I just teared up. I know we all like burst into tears when we read it. And, you know, it was, it was sort of like, you know, our thought to ourselves was like, okay, like say this never goes anywhere else. You know, like say this is a five episode thing on YouTube and, and like, we can't get more money. We can't make it. My iPhone explodes. <laughs> um, we, we, we can't do more. Um, at least, you know, like this is a moment where like, great. This was like a net positive for some people, which is like the greatest thing that you could possibly, you know, I think do by making something. Yeah, that is just incredible. I will follow that up with, because Eric and I will be able to comment on our, relate this to our own experiences as gay men, especially because it does deal in gay themes, but I can't really comment on the asexual representation. But what I can do is I can read some of the other comments that I've seen just on your YouTube, on the posting itself. Um, we have one person that said, as an asexual, I am so happy about the rep. Someone else said, I'm asexual and the acknowledgement of aces is just so dang nice to see. And then someone else said, the asexual representation, I didn't know what I wanted. So, and I haven't seen anyone being like, hey, you got this wrong. Like, no, yeah, Totally. Yeah, it was, it was nice to be able to communicate with like actual asexual people. I think that helped in a big way. As in like you did discuss with other yeah. asexual people. I was going to yeah. say, because it seems like it's coming from a very informed place. Totally. I mean, that was really helpful. And then, you know, the other conversation I had with my roommate or who is the director of Max? He has two dads. And um, one of the things that he was talking about is that he and his dad had had this conversation about how Will and Grace had moved the goalpost forward so much because mm. it was such accessible television that featured gay characters. And it sort of just created this, this sense of culture like it's just here, it's happening. You know, like this is, this is where we are now. And I think like that is the societal good that uh, representation does is that it shows society society that like these people exist, they're here and they're not going anywhere. And so we're glad that we could, you know, make some people feel that there's, you know, a character for them. Kyle, you are speaking our language. <laughs> That's yeah. like the entire <laughs> thesis of this podcast and everything you've said. It's like, you're, you're such a great guest for this podcast because we are very oh, yeah. aligned on our ideas about this. And it's so exciting that you are a part of this effort and that it's doing such, as you said, net good. It's, it's fantastic. Well, we're about out of time. So uh, I guess now is a good time to... At this point, our Zoom meeting ended and we had to stop recording. And we took this as our chance to go watch Rabbit Episode 3. Tune in to the next episode of this podcast to hear our thoughts and discussion on this wonderful web series. Also, if you're enjoying the pod, we would love if you would leave us a review or subscribe. Thank you.